Welcome to the Global Watch Prayer Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we build community in prayer to empower the church from local expressions to global connections. For more information and resources on the Global Watch, visit theglobalwatch.com. All right, everybody. We want to welcome you. This is the Global Watch International Call. It is December 6th, 6 a.m. Jerusalem time. This is the journey which is the part of our international call that's focused on equipping. And we are in week nine of 10 of a study that we're going through the book Unleashed by our very own Susan Rao. And this is a book about the importance of unleashing corporate prayer in the church. And so for this hour, we're gonna be focused on chapter nine, which is titled The Reform, Prepare the Way. And uh, we have in this chapter is special because we have four people from different ministries around the world who contributed to this chapter. And two of them are on uh, a call tonight and we're going to be calling on them to share their story. And then we'll have some discussion time, a little bit of time for discussion and questions and prayer. We're not gonna go into breakout sessions during this hour because we just won't have enough time. But I think that we'll, we will gain a lot because Sheldon and Jenny are amazing people of God and they are pioneers. And so we're gonna hear some of that story and how corporate prayer has become or is a part of their ministry. So let's have, let us have Allison from Australia. Why don't you open us up in prayer? So Allison, go ahead. Father, we welcome you with open hearts, open arms. And we just say we love you this day. We thank you for your goodness, for your faithfulness. We thank you that you reign and you will always reign. And we just, we're so grateful, Father God, for everything that you have done for us. We're grateful for Global Watch, for Fred and Sue. We're grateful for Jenny and Sheldon today. And we just ask you to bless them as they share with us. May we have ears to hear what your spirit is saying and eyes to see. Thank you for just blessing us all with greater revelation and understanding. And yes, here we are again, and we give you this hour. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 We just say there's nothing that our God can't do. And Lord, you are amazing. And it is such a privilege to be able to get together across the world and worship you together and grow in you together. And Lord, the best is yet to come. We all, we all believe that. The darker that the world gets, the more you are raising up a standard and your light shines brighter. And uh, Lord, we're just believing that you have raised us all up for such a time as this. And we're excited to see what it is that you're doing and what it is that you're going to do. So... We're just thankful for, for this great hour that's ahead of us, and we thank you that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Sue, do you have any, any preliminary comments before we, we hear from Jenny and from Sheldon? Just that before I wrote this book, and in the years preceding the revelation that, man, we need to relook at this foundation stone of the church. There's nothing our God can't do, but... I believe the verse I chose for this chapter was Malachi 4, 5, and 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. 
and everybody attention the spirit of elijah is coming upon you to restore all things god is calling us as a company of people opening our eyes to his desires for what's happening in the church and and not that we're a breed above or cut above everybody else but it, there is a calling of God that uh, we'll address later on in this discussion tonight on steps we can take as a community of believers that are, are carrying a mantle that God is releasing in, in the nations now to restore this foundation stone to the body of Christ. And anyway, it's not impossible. We serve a God who makes all things possible. And we want to look at this as from not a perspective of what's not happening to what will happen. That's the perspective. We want to take a positive spirit into this, not a condemning one, and but rather one of helps, one of prophetic vision and energy going forward into this discussion tonight and the days ahead. So Fred, yeah, we want to hear from both Jenny and Sheldon tonight, and they had wonderful things to say and they're living it i think we can learn a lot from them yes thank you dear and we're going to ask you all to speak for about uh 15 minutes or so a piece and then we'll have some discussion questions and prayer at the end but let's let's start with you jenny we just want to introduce jenny hager as the director of the australian house of prayer for all nations which she has been leading since 1990 that's for over 30 years and uh, she started uh, the australian house of prayer with, with direction from the lord and 1990 was just want to remind everybody that the house of prayer movement really started and got going around 1999 and so jenny was really a pioneer she didn't have a whole lot of a whole lot of examples to follow jenny you're we just honor you for your commitment to the lord it's um a little bit like Noah building the ark when there hadn't been any rain and 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 nobody knew what even a boat was exactly and uh, you but your faithfulness has really borne tremendous fruit and we have a great amount of respect for you because you're one of the premier leaders prayer leaders in Australia and so we love you Jenny we're very thankful for you go ahead and tell us about the Australian House of Prayer and how that relates to corporate oh thank you Fred First of all, I'd like to perhaps start by saying, looking at, at Sue's book, if only this I had read this 30 or 40 years ago, my walk would have been a lot better. And as you said, Fred, I can remember Lauren Cunningham saying to me when I was stepping out into all this, that God is going to use you to build something and you're not to look to anybody else, you're only to look to him to the blueprint. And I had no idea what that blueprint was. And uh, it's true, God chooses the weak to confound the wise. But looking at, as soon as I saw Sue's book, the word that really spoke to me in it was in the subtitle, locking the power of corporate prayer. That word power, there is so much power in corporate prayer. Um, Matthew 18, 20 says, for when two or three are gathered, in my name, there I am with them. There he is in our midst. And I didn't understand what that really meant. The Lord has taught me so much over the years. I see the Lord as Mary saw him 
when uh, he rose from the tomb and she saw him as the gardener and she called out Rabboni, teacher. And just as the disciples said to um, Jesus, teach us to pray, I have spent 40 years at least saying, please teach me to pray. And perhaps some of the things I'm sharing with you today is a result of his faithfulness in doing that and learning, taking wrong roads, doing it wrongly at times, but always learning from the Lord in what he's been saying to me. And in the beginning, we started, we started actually, when we started House of Prayer, the thing to do was to pray. So we, about 10 of us would meet on a Friday night to pray. And I always remember because the men were, were, had been at work all day. They were really tired. wouldn't take long before they'd be dozing off to sleep. And we'd be praying around the room and it'd be very dry. It'd be very, to be honest with you, it was quite boring. And so after a couple of months of this, I, I just felt I'm not a prayer leader. This is not working. I'm not a prayer leader. And I, I asked the Lord, I'd like some, maybe I'm an evangelist. Maybe I'm something else. I'm definitely not a prayer leader. So it's from that place that I'm now known as a national prayer leader. And I have to tell you, that is the father. That is totally the father because I resigned from the petition. I gave it up. I, and I don't like being in boring things. And it was, look, it was heavy. It was dry. It was boring. It was my responsibility to see that it wasn't like that. And I didn't know what to do. So then the Lord began to speak to me and he said, I know you don't know what to do, but I know what to do and I will show you what to do. But the first thing he taught at every meeting, I invite the Holy Spirit. I, I, I would really miss a meeting and I teach our team. He is the one that is leading the prayer meeting. And so that turned my whole aspect of prayer around to understand that he was the one in particularly with corporate prayer when you're praying privately yourself that's different but when you start gathering people together to pray you feel this responsibility and how do you connect it all together and how do you do this there's so much to learn and the thing I'm wanting to share with you today is the father can teach you if he can teach me he can teach you he can teach all of us and of course many on this call I respect and honour you because he has taught you and that's the richness of the global watch that we share with each other. He taught me the importance um, of the relationship between um, each other in the prayer room, all the things Sue is saying in the book and all the things that Shelton and I and others have written in this chapter. But adding to that, he taught me the relationship between throne room worship and throne room corporate prayer. And that has really changed my life and in the book I mentioned that for 21 years we've run a citywide meeting where people of all denominations come once a month we've just had it yesterday uh, or day before people come from all over our city you know, Catholics Anglicans uniting Pentecostal independent and for 21 years the Lord has sustained us in that meeting so why? What, what is it about? It's certainly, it's not my leadership. It's the fact that we're walking in the things that the Lord has been teaching us and the relationship between entries, entering his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts, entering his courts with praise and looking to him, focusing on him and then listening to him as to his instructions as how he wants us to pray. And whether we're doing that just in a small group 
in our home, whether we're doing it in our church prayer meetings, whether we're in the prayer room. My favourite place is the prayer room at Hassa Prayer. We've got several prayer rooms, but there's nothing more glorious than to be in the prayer room in a meeting being led by the Holy Spirit. It's just the best place to be. And, and the Lord helps us through it. He's running the meeting. And we know when we've broken through, there's that sound that we hear, that we understand that we have just broken through. Got just a couple of notes here to remind myself to share with you the importance to know who we are in Christ and knowing his authority. That is absolutely essential. Unless we truly understand that he, God, we, we start with petitioning prayers in our life. Please, God, please do this. Please do that. Here's a problem. Do, you know, fix it. We petition the Lord. And he says, you have not because you asked not. So petitioning is really important. But there comes a time when there's a bit of a switch. And he says, now I've heard your petition. Now I'm going to show you what to do with my authority because my authority in you is the same as God being there doing it. He's doing it through us, his body. He's the head. Jesus is the great intercessor sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's partnering with us in all of this. And so as we uh, press through, whether it's a small meeting, building up to a bigger meeting, all the time just looking to the Lord, listening to the Holy Spirit, and listening to him as to how we should pray and also what we should pray. The voice, To me, the voice of the Son is telling the sons of his kingdom to arise in the authority they have been given. I believe that's one of the things the Lord is saying at the moment. So I'm going to report, repeat it. The voice of the Jesus is telling the sons of his kingdom to arise in the authority they have been given. And that's the thing the enemy wants to stop. So he wants to stop corporate prayer because it's a danger to his kingdom. It's a danger to his assignments. It's a danger to all his plans. So he will do anything he can for making us feel tired or not well or um, have difficulties in relationships with each other or whatever. He, he knows more than a lot of the church knows the danger of corporate prayer. And so that's why Sue's book is so timely. I like to think that we are the eagles who fly by day. We're the watchmen, but we have eagle eyes and we soar over the battle and we look at the battle and God shows us how he wants us to pray because we're watchmen. And the watchmen are so important in corporate prayer because the watchmen are the ones that are discerning what needs to be prayed about what's happening uh, even without reading it in the media or on the radio or whatever, they're discerning by the spirit um, because they're alert and, and, and watching for the Lord. And so we, we're the eagles who fly by day, but also we are the owls of the night. We persist in prayer until the dawn breaks, and that's persistence in, in our intercession. At every corporate prayer meeting, whether it, it is in our homes or wherever it is, we, as I've mentioned, we don't pray the problems. We have to find God's agenda. And I found this with the citywide meeting. The day before, people would ring me up and they'd say, there's going to be a new age festival at a certain area of our city or there's something else that's going to go wrong. And I, I think, oh, we must pray about that. We, we must pray about that. We must, until the Lord showed me. 
No, you just rest and wait. I will show you what assignment I have given you. Out of all those things that need to be prayed over, I've only got the authority to lead a prayer meeting in what he's telling me to lead the prayer meeting in. It's not for me to decide. It's not. So we get into this trap of seeing all these problems around us and we think it's, we, it's our duty. We must do something. We must pray. But the Lord might have given somebody else that New Age festival to pray about. That might be not the assignment he's giving us for our meeting. So again, learning to, to listen to the Holy Spirit is to me a very important thing in, in, in corporate prayer. Going from the smaller meeting through to the prayer room meeting through to our church on a Sunday, our church is a bit different because we involve, we've always involved because we're all intercessors anyway, we've always involved corporate prayer. But then we go up to a higher level. How high can God take us in corporate prayer? I believe at the moment that's what he's doing with us. That's why he's led Sue to release this book so that we understand the power of us coming together in, in throne room worship, receiving the anointing from God and then rising up as warriors and decreeing and cutting off the things he's telling us decreeing the words in in the wilderness jesus said it is written so as we're warring we're saying it is written and we all the team are listening what scripture is god giving them and then they decree that scripture that is the scripture by the power of the holy spirit for that particular battle and so it's in the spiritual realm that that we are fighting and together corporately in our meetings, because we're a fairly prophetic group, if we're in the prayer room, we wave banners, we clap, we march, we shout, we pour oil, salt and wine over maps. We've got our maps, we've got a filing cabinet up here at our main house of prayer room. And a lot of the maps are laminated because we pour seeds on them for harvest in the nation. We pour oil on them for God to, and salt for cleansing, wine. And, and we'll be decreeing scriptures as we're pouring the wine on our maps and, and praying for the nations with our hands on the maps. And the Lord can powerfully anoint our hands as we're doing that in corporate prayer. And all the time partnering with Christ because he's the leader of the army. He is the great intercessor as I said, sitting at the right hand of the Father. And Isaiah 42, 13 says, the Lord shall go like a mighty man. He shall go forth like a mighty man. He shall stir up his zeal like a man of war. He shall cry out, yes, shout aloud. He shall prevail against the enemy. If the Lord's doing all that, then he's asking us to do all that. The Lion of Judah wants to roar in our prayer rooms. The Lion of Judah wants to roar in our intercession. He wants to roar back at the enemy. So there's times that we're even roaring because he's roaring through us. It's part of the prophetic agenda that he's giving us to be overcomers in, in, in corporate prayer. He wants, at the same time, the prayer room might, there might be a switch in the atmosphere and we might be in travail. And travail, when you have a group of people together travailing, that is the most powerful place. It's just an incredible place as we're just, we're weeping. This is not our own emotions. This is the anointing of God in such deep, <coughs> excuse me, for the release of our, 
our cities and, and the nations of the world. And just finally, to say a word, all the things we do, citywide meeting. Naturally, at the beginning, people didn't said, where does it say in scripture to, that you can have banners? And where does it say that you shout? And where We don't do this in our church. And so there was some tension. And I realised the important thing was to bring Psalm 149, 6-9. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. And I love that term, high praises. I just sense the Lord. We've just seen high praise on the on the clip that Sue prayed. That's the sort of worship. And, and if you heard it again, you'd hear the worship leader was decreeing out. He wasn't just singing, but he was decreeing out. And in the in, in, in our citywide meeting, the prayer leaders will come to the mic and be decreeing out what God is saying to them. So there's this sense of unity all coming together, but it's coming out of high praise. And so we share the scriptures. Why do we wave banners? There's so many scriptures to do with banners in the Bible. The Song of Solomon 6.10, who is he who looks forth at the morning, fair as the moon, clear as the sun, awesome as an army with banners. So we have banners. We are an army with banners and the banners are prophetic. We teach on marching. Why do we march around the room? What does the Bible say about that? We teach about clapping. What does the Bible say about clapping? A shout. When we feel we get to a certain place in the battle, we'll give a victory shout or a shout of praise and roaring like the Lion of Judah roars. So in all of these things, we're looking to the biblical examples of what we're doing when we come together corporately. We're looking to the King of Glory who is leading the battle. And what an honour to be in his army. It is such an honour. And the power of corporate prayer when I read this book, I thought, she has got it. If only all those years ago, when I was such a miserable failure, I could find a book like that. But it's written for us today to, to really take hold of this and to build ourselves up to go to an even bigger level, higher level, as we come together in corporate, in corporate prayer. So bless you and thank you. Wow. Jenny, what an <laughs> amazing teaching. And we'll have to have you Sue? we need to have Jenny on just to talk about just to teach a little bit about different aspects of prayer that's was really amazing thank you so much Jenny. and Jenny uh, you're in good company we all have our stories yes that's tremendous uh coming out of 30 to 40 years of trying to seek the Lord and the amazing thing about God is that he puts you in a position and then he gives you an understanding of it and teaches you about it as you go, not preparing you ahead of time, not giving you the three years That's of seminary right. and degree in prayer. He just throws you right into the river and expects you to swim. I so. call it jumping off the cliff. I'm just jumping off the <laughs> cliff again. <laughs> yeah. That's great. All right. So let's, we could spend the whole rest of the hour just with comments and prayer on what you just said, Jenny, but let's go on to Sheldon. And uh, it's great to have Sheldon on as well as Jenny, because Sheldon comes from a very different uh, place in terms of his leadership. Sheldon is the senior pastor of Bay City Church in Cape Town, South Africa. And he is a pastor and he took over the leadership of uh, Bay City Church from his father, his father was the one who planted the church and was pastor there for 20 years. So he 
he comes from a line of, of pioneers as Sheldon is himself a pioneer. Sheldon is a pastor, but he's also a worship leader. And he also has prophetic and apostolic giftings. We're not to be jealous, but there are some people that are 10 talent people and uh, not everybody is, but Sheldon is one of them. And he also, he, I'm saying this about him because he'd never say this about himself because he's very humble. And uh, like the rest of us, he has, God has thrown him into certain situations and, and then told him to swim. So Sheldon, we're really looking forward to hearing what you have to say about corporate prayer from the position of being a senior pastor of a church. Yeah, excellent. Eh? Thank you, Fred. I always appreciate the uh, introduction, but I can assure you there's one thing I can't do. I'm not a cook. Uh, the kitchen's not my place, but uh, yeah, it's an absolute honor, a real joy to, to share with you all this morning. And the, the beautiful thing here is that it's not just a one-off, yeah, we get to talk. Like we've been journeying for this year and God's been doing amazing stuff through this global watch and, and what God is using this for. So to know that you're partnered and together with people that gives the, the assurance. And I think you know, from the outset here, and I really want to create space for questions and time to talk afterwards, because I think that's a lot where the meat is often uh, when people want to know what's on their hearts about stuff. I come from the perspective of being a church leader and, and from the perspective of being passionate about the local church, the Lord, over 20 years ago, arrested my heart for the local church. He, he gripped my heart, and as I felt his heart and his pain for the local church, and it's been something that has driven me not out of the, you know, the need for people's approval, but, but of tasting the heart of Jesus for his church. And I think, Jenny, the way you spoke there was crucial about everything is led by Jesus, who's the head. And by his spirit, the Holy Spirit, who we honor his closeness, it's not about what we add and what we do. And it's about us being faithful, obedient servants, according to his leading, so that we don't create programs that we've got to now try and sustain, because we think it's a good idea. We see the trends going around the world, and we think maybe we should do that as well. It'll, be, it'll become a dead work, because you, all you're trying to do is sustain something. And Hebrews speaks about those, one of those foundations, stones of the church is dead works, and we've got to repent of dead works. And so, uh, you know, that song, interesting, and when you play the song from that, the Passion Group, it reminded me of, of a moment, it's probably in 2013, where in Cape Town, we have a, a venue called, it's called The Castle, okay? So when Cape Town first initiated in 1650, whenever around, the, the Dutch people built a castle as like a main central point where the governor would live and everything. So it's now a tourist kind of place, but there was a lot of atrocities. There was a lot of bad things that took place in that castle. And we did a, a, a art festival over a weekend once. And with the art festival, we had worship running continuously while people viewed the art. There was just worship playing and people kind of you know, molding around. There was a big open kind of field on the inside of the castle on the Saturday. And when we were finishing up on the Saturday afternoon, there was maybe everyone had gone, the art festival had packed up, and there was maybe 15 of us finishing off having some worship. But literally a couple of kilometers down the road, thousands of people were gathering in the stadium in Cape Town for the passion guys that were in town to do a worship thing like they were doing on that video clip. Filled the stadium and worship. It was amazing. And that moment just I felt God just helped me recognize it's not about numbers because there were 15 of us and we were finishing up praying and worship and I and I we were singing that song from Delirious and I run into your arms I'm going to be a history maker and I love that song it's longer way ago but we were belting it out as we were finishing off I shouted 
freedom in the castle. And we all looked at each other because we felt something crack in the spirit. And it was like such a moment of, wow, did you feel that? Yes, there were thousands of people gathering. I'm not discrediting what they were doing there and worshiping and singing over our city, just a few kilometers down the road. But there's the scripture where two agree. There he is in the midst. It's not about thousands of people gathering to something. It's those that will have willing hearts and be obedient to what God is doing. Watch what the Lord will do in your obedience and stepping out. So uh, to add some about my journey in this, and I have to stress that this is not a once of, oh, I got it. I will do that. And this is what the Lord's saying. He takes you on journeys. Any character in the Bible that you read, they go on journeys, they fail, they doubt. And in that, God stirs them in believing the faithfulness of who he is. They start seeing the big picture and faith stirs in their hearts. And this journey for me of, of sustained worship and essentially the tabernacle of David, of the restoration of that in these days, has been probably about a 10, 11 year journey. And, and my, the poor church community that I've been a part of, because they've been the people. I'm like, guys, we're going 24 hours. We're going 12 hours this weekend. And, and if I'm honest, there were people that arrived, but not a lot of people. But my heart was always, guys, like, where are you? Like, come on, man. Why don't we come and worship? I love doing, like, the middle of the night stuff. And I could see people like, you're crazy. You're young. This thing will wear off eventually. And it'll go away and we'll just settle down and just do church as it is. And I've, my mother, bless her, my late mom, I think she was never a settler. She was always a, God's doing something. He's doing something new. And it never was something we'll just stick to tradition and stick to where she always was asking the spirit for something fresh. And just as someone said once, I didn't come to rock the boat. I came to turn the stupid thing over. And I think the church needs that sometimes <laughs> because it's like we get so stuck in our little ways and don't upset things here, man. Things are okay. And so it was from the beginning of this year, I was really stirred again by after our 21 days of prayer and fasting in January, I was really stirred by the, the story of Hörnhut and what happened in Germany in 1627, you know, and the, the moment they had on that 13th of August where they encountered God. So I just felt God say to me, go over that story, just reread, relook at stuff, just let that story massage into your heart, not with the intention to try and copy and paste, but rather hear afresh of what I'm saying to you in this season. And it was like, it was like it was hidden in plain sight for me about sustained prayer and, and, and worship and that. And the Global Watch have given us a pattern of morning and evening sacrifice, morning and evening sacrifice. And this rhythm is something attainable. If we all start thinking 24-7, if you've ever thought of trying to sustain 24-7, you need a lot of people. You need a lot of people committed. And a small group of 120 people, they, they're not going to sustain it. I can, uh, it, it in, in today's world, it'll be a tough feat. And you will run for a year or two and everyone will be armed down, burnt out, slow steps. I think the Lord is slowly restoring to us. Acts 3, kind of 21, 22 speaks about that, that he's withheld in the heavens until the restoration of all things. And if we look what God is doing, he is restoring stuff in this day and in this hour. And prayer is one of those things. And that verse in Matthew and Mark always struck me. My house will be a house. Like, but when we have a prayer meeting, like hardly anyone comes. What is that? I'm like, God, what is that? Why? And, you, and you're motivated to try and sell it. You're trying, come on, people. But at the beginning of this year, something shifted about, we all have known those boring prayer meetings. Jenny, you spoke about that. Boring times. We've all been there because we're trying to do something and make it work. But I did 
take encouragement from just thinking in the word when Paul was preaching, Dorcas fell asleep and fell out the window. So even the apostle Paul had someone fall asleep in his meeting. So we're not in, we're in good company. So, but the desire to see people engage in prayer and not just, there's something new, there's something fresh that God's showing me. And I presented this to our leaders in February this year. And so it's still fresh with us. We're still on a journey. We, we're going, but to present it to them. If you read Habakkuk, Habakkuk 1 speaks about, I will take my stand. I will position myself. I will hear from the Lord. Then I will respond to what he says. It's all those four things are very key, but he speaks about vision and he says, it'll wait, let it tarry. It'll happen in the right time. And that for me was this 10 year journey of culminating of something, of stirring a community to actually be rallied around corporate prayer and not having the one prayer meeting, but actually having moments. And I felt God give me that morning and evening sacrifice. So I presented that to our leaders and there was an instant um, yes in the room. There was no trying to sell it to them. We've been primed and positioned for such a time to run with something in this new era, which God is doing and he's calling his church back to the foundations of prayer and not just a little group on the side, 10, 15 people that carry prayer in the church. No, the heart is that every single person is engaged because we are all the ecclesia. We're not a part of us do all the work and others sit back and just say, well, thanks for doing the work for us. No, we are all collaborators with Jesus and we, he's asking of us in this day and this hour. And that's, been a journey for me to motivate a, a group of people that I lead say come on catch the heart of this so we started with our leaders and I said guys you decide when is the best time for you to gather as twos or threes and we're going to start these prayer watches happening morning and evening sacrifice so we started with about 12 or 13 of these watches and now the joy is that we've gone for like about nine ten months of those watches what it's done it's stirred a passion in people's hearts the desire to pray is more, the, the heart of coming together, the commitments more. You don't have to ask people to commit it. They are stirred by joining together with other hearts. We 90% of them are done on Zoom, so it's easy and accessible. We've learned this process. A couple of them meet with uh, the mothers in the mornings. There's some older folk that meet with mornings in different places. So they are in-face contact meetings, but most of it's done on Zoom so that we can gather from six to seven and then we've got to rush the kids off to school and do all the things that life require of us, but we're praying. And so I, I tarried with this for, this for those 10 years, but this year I've carried this in my heart of wanting to release it to our community at the right time. And about two, three weeks ago, I preached through Acts 2.42 and the foundation of the church is the apostles' teaching. Jenny, you spoke about, you've got to teach the people. You've got to impart to them something so they catch the heart of this. It's the, the power of the, the Kononia fellowship, being together in the things of God and putting, we, we are, we're not in this world, we're of this, sorry, we're not of this world. No, we're not in this world, we're of this world. I always get that mixed up. We're from a different kingdom. We're operating in a different way. So our fellowship is key. And then the, the breaking of bread and then prayer. And the foundation of these gatherings, you see, the church has become very social. So we've not had, you all know that life groups and home groups and family fellowships and all the things we've called them over the years that I've been around in church environment, they became more social. People get together and they have long days work and they have tea and their coffee and they sit and then they pray for five minutes at the end. And it's more social than actually doing what God has called us to do. And the foundation for these gatherings that we have is prayer. So people start with prayer and, and, and well, a little devotion, little teaching that we're all taking turns and it's the power of each person also stirring in themselves to prepare, to teach for five, 10 minutes and then to pray. 
and we're praying we're seeing god move we're seeing god doing things in people's hearts so when i preached these things in the church about four or five weeks ago it stirred something in our community because people are longing for that connection they're longing to be a part of something that is actually taking ground in the spiritual realm it's it's early days but what i've seen is heaven's pattern being dropped into a local church now i'm not i'm saying to you today don't go to your pastor and say we need to do this this is a journey this is a process of a heart-to-heart connection in the last eight years that i've led this church community i have fought hard for heart-to-heart connection first the, the thing i tell the people is i don't want your gift okay i don't want your gift we want your heart because when we get your heart we all benefit from the gifting that god has given you but people use the gifting first to elevate and make the ministry look good but it's not about that it's about people being united where two or three gathered there he is when we agree that word we've heard these talks from dean i think on harmony and symphony there's the spiritual connection that takes place. And we had a leaders meeting last night and we've got you know, 30, 40 of us in a room. There's harmony in the room. We fought hard for this unity. And from this place of togetherness, God works. Where you've got disunity, the be able to build in the spirit is difficult because people's agendas and their motives are selfish and they're desiring their own things. We've got to humble ourselves before God. So sure, I could speak for ages about this stuff. I'm, I'm going to just pause there and let's open it up for the last kind of 10 15 minutes but one thing i'll leave with you is that there's no hurry to try and make this happen god's been taken us on a journey as a community and he's shown me the seven year cycles that have been through the bay and this seven year cycle is we've just started our, our, our fifth seven year cycle on the 10th of october we, the bay was 28 years he says it's prayer and so we all we are pursuing in this next seven years is prayer it's simple when you're things of God is there's no big programs to try and make. If we can get prayer right, the next step is mission. And if we get mission right, we extend the gospel and the kingdom keeps advancing because the Lord, the Lord truly does know better. Honestly, we and our clever programs, he does know better. And it's hearing his voice in this time, in this hour and responding uh, to that. Yeah. Bless you guys. Thank you, Fred and Sue. And you're a lot more in my heart, but uh, that's just a nutshell. Eh? Wow. Uh, that is so amazing. Sheldon. I, did I hear you say that you were going to focus the next seven years on prayer and then after that missions? Yeah, the main focus will be prayer. Missions will come within that period of time. But my heart is, is that every single person will be connected to a prayer watch. And to be uncompromising about it, we are not in a season of compromise. This is the end of Unleashed Chapter 9, Part 1. Please go to the next podcast for a powerful release and ending in Part 2.